Welcome to the show, and don't forget to check out this month's Nebula exclusive, Giant Space Monsters, as we explore everything from Space Kraken to Giant Sandworms. To get access and help support the show while hearing every episode early and ad-free, plus hours of bonus content, check out go.nebula.tv slash and use my code IsaacArthur. This episode is sponsored by Audible. Many an alien conspiracy theory seems to fall apart from asking why a high-tech civilization bent on secrecy would seem to get spotted so often, but what if they get seen so often on purpose to make us think they don't exist because they couldn't be that clumsy? Maybe it's all part of the plan. Something we often contemplate on this channel, and particularly in the Alien Civilization series, is that a lot of alien behavior suggested by science fiction, or indicated by alien sightings, should be viewed from the standpoint of motive, means, and opportunity, and we should ask if there is some easier way to get to the apparent objective. This tends to be the case in a lot of science fiction portrayals of aliens, not to mention alien conspiracy theories, as well as conspiracy theories in general. Often a thread knitting all the various facts, assertions, and conclusions together is so convoluted it better resembles a tangled heap of yarn than some logical flowchart. It often feels like the result of either lazy writing or crazy rambling. Of course the key thing about conspiracies is they do occasionally happen and a lot of real world examples are absolutely crazy tangled messes that seem like something from a soap opera or a comic book. Reality is often stranger than fiction. And with that in mind, I thought today we would try to walk from the assumption that various alien theories were true and see what that might mean. We did something similar back in our Secret Aliens episode a few years back, but there we were focused on the idea that the aliens in question were acting rationally, and trying to figure out what might motivate them to take the reported actions. Here we're not assuming they're crazy, but we will instead act from the perspective they're of a covert and clandestine mindset and tradition. That's a thing to keep in mind, institutional mindset. We never want to speak in gross generalizations, but if you present a problem to two different people, the head of an intelligence agency and the commander of an armored division, the former is likely to suggest a subtle and covert approach to the problem, while the latter is likely to favor going straight up the middle. It's the tools they've got to work with, the tanks are great ways to smash in the front door, and patience is no virtue in operating them, but it's also who they attract the mindsets predisposed to going into a particular organization, the institutional culture that tilts you to trusting that approach, and the genuine reality of those are the tools and skills you've got. Give a tank commander a sniper and he's likely to employ him covertly and as a sniper, since he's presumably not an idiot, but he is likely to have at least tried to fit that tool into his normal operations first, maybe as a scout. Same, some sneaky spy master might look at a tank and a crew and be trying to think how to sneak it in somewhere, Trojan horse style, or use them as fake defectors with a valuable resource who can now infiltrate the enemy to provide good intel and also have a good way of exfiltrating themselves if things turn sour. Not to belabor the point, but if you're dealing with an alien race that's predisposed to be sneaky or conspiratorial, it is likely to choose those pathways even when they are not optimal. If you are some alien descended from a critter that hid from predators by chameleon techniques, it's not shocking that your go-to technique for managing problems is going to tilt to hiding. Now I picked that armored division commander example because I used to be in an armored division and it's no coincidence my motto tends to be, if brute force isn't working, you're not using enough of it. I tend to be fond of simple direct paths to goals fueled by sheer might, right, and willpower. 
I know how to be sneaky but it's not my preference and I suspect I rationalize the open and direct as better on occasions when it is not. I certainly know folks who seem to do the reverse and overcomplicate in my view, and we probably all share a certain bias or blindness to the best path as a result. Which view is better does not matter, that's often going to be subjective anyway, what we care about is the fact that such biases can exist and be ingrained into a person or cultural or presumably a whole species. As a result, we need to assume that what we think is the best path to pursue isn't necessarily the best in their eyes. And it might not be either, either because we are wrong or because they are so institutionally predisposed to that path that they're experts at it and rather amateur at others. To me, it seems absurd to involve ten different people or groups in some elaborate backstab, infiltration, or assassination which will be useless or negative if it's ever revealed and exposed, because I don't find volunteer participants in that process terribly trustworthy to keep their mouths shut and not sell the operation out or brag to a friend or write in their journal or deathbed confession. However, we do not know that an alien would have that degree of concern about their agents keeping quiet, and moreover, we don't know that they would think they would. It doesn't matter if your operation leaks like a sieve if you're convinced it would not when you start it. My opinions aside, as reasonable as I think they are, lots of people seem to think such conspiracies will work just fine. They might be right, but even if they're wrong, if they think they're right, they'll do it anyway. Now an alien might not need to worry about the consequences of us finding out, but that raises the question of why they are making an effort to act quietly now. We do not know what the galactic stage looks like, my best guess is it consists of us and a lot of worlds covered in algae and simple microbes, not tons of alien civilizations, but it could be a setup with complex communities with galactic courts. Species X might have to worry about censure or fine for getting caught interfering in our civilization, especially in a case like tampering with their culture or stealing their treasures, or it might be Agency Y of Species X that has to worry about them yanking funding or providing congressional oversight if they get caught engaging in monkey business, which many an intelligence agency or black bag group has found happening to them when they got caught doing stuff the public thought was beyond the pale. When it comes to conspiracies, I always start by asking what would flat out kill the conspiracy, because I tend to assume they would be smart enough to ask that themselves and not to do the plan if they didn't get a good answer. Today's topic is assuming that might not be true, but as an example, I've heard folks say they think the cure for cancer is already known, but Big Pharma won't let it out, and I usually ask if they bother to check if any of the current or past members of their board of directors either suffered from cancer or lost a close family member to it. Now I know the answer is no, they have not checked, but if they look a bit abashed at the oversight, it tells me they recognize that these folks are humans too, whereas otherwise it's just a shadow conspiracy of stereotype characters, which helps me figure out how I need to discuss that with them. It's like with the moon hoax, to most believers it's a lie based on a group of shadowy folks, to me it's an unbelievably large conspiracy involving many of my actual mentors who worked on the project and would had to have known. Regardless, we can hypothesize a group of folks or an alien civilization that really are that cold, willing to hide a cure for cancer for profit, that they would turn a blind eye to not only their fellow citizens but their own families and possibly even die for the cause, which is hardly a worthy cause to inspire sacrifice, giant personal profits or for your company. Of course an alien might not feel the same, like the Ferengi from Star Trek, and the cancer example is obviously fairly extreme. Alien is alien. Their motives might be weird for personal sacrifice, 
by all standards. Now they might think it is ethical in conjunction with something else, too. It could be that the cure for cancer is the automatic path for extreme life extension, and they think that would result in an inevitable overpopulation and brutal Malthusian catastrophe, in which case yes it is very plausible you could run a conspiracy of folks who believed it was a hard but necessary choice which changed a lot of the dynamics on things like self-sacrifice. However, if we're assuming the usual evil old dudes, smoking cigars and sipping wine made from the tears of orphans, then they know if they ever got found out, they are screwed. They might literally be ripped to shreds by a mob, and their families too were forced into exile. And all it would take is one credible accusation made with evidence. Evidence any one of them on that board, or a senior minion, or one of the scientists who worked on it, can offer folks. Someone is going to pose this to them, hey, we found a cure for cancer, this will make us outrageously rich and folks will build monuments to our names as benefactors. Or we could keep this secret, make money another way, and hope none of our competitors come up with it, or none of the scientists rats us out, or our staff, or each other. And they are going to look at their shady peers, their employees with their purchased loyalty, and ask how many milliseconds it's going to take for one of them to rat them all out, and if they can do it first. And if by some chance none do, how they could possibly convince their competitors not to develop that cure or rat them out too, since eliminating them as a competitor would surely be desirable and they have a motive to assist investigations of that competitor and encourage accusations against them. After reviewing all of that, they will presumably opt to make the fortune and fame of curing cancer because the alternative is not good for them. Except that analogy does require that they look around their peers and worry how they are atypical. If your whole species is of that attitude, there's no fear of people screaming for your head, and that cancer case matters a lot when discussing aliens because a big question that is going to come up if you're talking to aliens in, say, the 22nd century after they have come out of the shadows is, hey, while you guys were here meeting us and laying the groundwork for our future relations, why didn't you sneak in a cure for cancer? I mean the 20th and 21st centuries were times of unparalleled technological development, Even a fairly complex cure being discovered on seeming inspiration would probably not have been that suspicious. But a lot of covert messages to researchers via email of some of the building blocks to that cure snuck in over a few years would probably never have raised an eyebrow. Same for nuclear fusion or really cheap solar panels or batteries. For that matter, they wouldn't even have to guide us toward the correct answer, merely discouraging us from pursuing dead ends would greatly accelerate the discovery of these world-changing technologies. And that's going to be a bit awkward because a lot of death and misery goes away with any of those, and they cannot point to a Malthusian catastrophe option that they would hurt us by helping us because they presumably already solved that themselves. Admittedly it might be by eating their excess children, in which case they wouldn't assume that was some solution we would be open to adopting. This also all assumes a desire for some sort of future peaceful relations, but again if not, then why be covert? Habit? They've got the weapons to obliterate us, want to see us dead, don't care who finds out, but still launched a complex conspiracy to have us all kill ourselves? Of course they might want us gone quietly and not on their official scorecard. Imagine there was a galactic treaty that said worlds where multicellular life exists are quarantined, with access restricted to careful science and nothing else. Worlds that evolve intelligent life are entitled to ask for and receive a sphere of territory around them with a radius of 50 light years, just a few billionths of the galaxy, but still around a thousand star systems. But let's say your Ultra Hive has plans for that territory. 
plans which you could legally implement if only those pesky humans were to kill themselves off. Or maybe be killed off by one of your neighbors who might look bad for doing it. Now, introducing technology to humanity might be a good way to achieve that. Tech humans don't really have a great grasp on but think they do, and thus blow themselves up. Risky process though since we only suspect such scenarios from the countless claims of sightings, and we talk about those on broadcasts other aliens probably have gotten or will. Amusingly that might mean broadcasting conspiracy theories on TV and radio out into the galaxy might serve as some sort of galactic insurance. Now they might not care if everyone knows they did it so long as they've got official cover, like some mob boss who is happy if everyone knows he had someone whacked, so long as nobody can prove it in court. Indeed it might be that most of the folks in the galaxy hate this old rule, feel like it lets territory waste away for millions of years unused in case some monkey or slug ever figures out rocketry but have to honor the letter of the law, so cheerfully turn a blind eye when they can. Still that would seem unlikely, from a pragmatic scenario though, it won't be possible to avoid suspicion in any situation in which you are a benefactor and there is some cause to think that the target species was not naturally killed. A great big asteroid like a dino killer carefully pushed their way is plausible, but there's good odds that wouldn't wipe out our civilization beyond repair, and the bigger the asteroid the better the odds it would kill us all, but the worse the odds it would occur naturally. It would get pretty suspicious if one of those asteroids, the kinds that maybe once in a hundred million years, hit a technologically developing planet. It is possible but not super plausible and is likely to cause investigation. Same for some disease, one that wipes out everyone just isn't very plausible, and if they get a sample of that virus and it's obviously engineered, not a fluke mutation, that's going to raise suspicions. As would all scientists screaming about how unnatural it was on TV broadcasts. The more natural the look the less suspicion, but the harder it is to make it fully lethal and keep it plausible, and the last thing you would want in a case like that was a belief among the victims that you did it and survivors who can press the case legally diplomatically or militarily down the road. Plausible deniability helps too, in the sense the country can point at its own spooks and say hey, we never gave them permission to do this, and this won't sway a lot of folks but it will often sway other leaders because they know how often underlings do decide to exercise initiative when you really wish they hadn't and in ways you really wish they hadn't. As Henry II might have found out when he said about Thomas Becket, will no one rid me of this turbulent priest? They might be willing to fall on their swords and they genuinely might have done it without even trying to get a wink and a nod from you in advance, and even if that brings down the leadership, the accused civilization itself is unlikely to be decimated by that. Though judgment of an alien court might be something like actual decimation, the killing of a tenth of the population in punishment. Some other civilizations might expect literal blood and pounds of flesh from the actual citizens of a civilization for whatever their leaders or their leaders' minions did with or without their consent. We really don't know how alien minds will view such matters, you let them be in charge, you're just as guilty, might be their attitude toward elected rulers or even despots. Which all comes to the notion that while I still think covert ops on this planet by aliens is not what we're seeing, it isn't hard to imagine them doing some. That is easy enough, if you want some anthropology done you might send in covert agents to do that. If you want to steer them away from some really bad technological path, or toward a good one, clandestine ops isn't a bad approach. 
If you see a blockbuster film under development that has evil aliens that closely resemble you, by coincidence or by the possible covert ops of your unfriendly neighbors, then you could pop in and soften the image or switch it. The key thing there is if you get caught you can make a pretty good case about why a big escalation isn't called for. We wanted to get to know you for both our best interests but quietly is a decent argument to offer. So is, we did not want you to blow up your planet or, we didn't think it was fair you hate us because of a movie, we just happened to physically resemble the Xenomorphs from the Aliens franchise, but we're actually lithophores, we eat rocks not lifeforms let alone people, we didn't want you to run for the hills when you saw us. And there might be real consequences of that, hard feelings and accusations of a lack of respect and so on, but it wouldn't seem likely to result in some thousand year genocidal war or such. And since you have collected that detailed anthropological data, you are better able to predict what sort of things they would find atypically offensive. As an example, a high species probably doesn't care much about you abducting some of its workers for even lethal probing, especially a full-on hive mind, which would view abductions like we might view a skin scraping for analysis. This is specifically a notion played with in the classic Ender's Game novel series, where a hive mind encounters humans and rather casually kills them not because they don't respect intelligent life but because they didn't think that they were killing actual intelligence, any more than drawing a blood sample kills ours. Interesting point there, too, because a lot of us would view that as a major violation while others might be surprised it was considered so, and similar notions apply to many areas of privacy or harm, with aliens likely have very different views of what should be considered private. This of course is a very good reason why you should be getting detailed observations as unobtrusive as you can, implying a covert op, but at the same time that might be implying eliminating witnesses, leave no eyes to see, ears to hear, or mouths to tell tales. Of course that would tend to imply they suck at their job, since we seem to have thousands of sightings and first-hand eyewitness accounts of them doing things. Now that could all be some false flag operation, set up a whole lot of implausible sightings to cover over your real activities. As an example, if my goal was to sneak some agents into the corporate boards of some companies in order to facilitate corporate takeovers in a century or two, then a whole bunch of fake sightings of folks who don't even look like us sets up a pretty big cloud of doubt for later. Then maybe a few more sightings of aliens who did look like us, but were obviously doing benevolent tilted anthropology, makes for a very good cover. A couple centuries down the road they quietly owned some controlling shares in some big companies and lobbying firms, part open, part concealed. They have used their knowledge of how space colonization would occur and could be done better to really push that effort in a profitable direction and one that makes them seem like very generous and knowledgeable business partners. They've been the consultants who got fabulously wealthy giving people good advice that worked and they can just outright admit it, complete with documentation that they did have folks here observing and learning about us, that they handily used our growing awareness of space and many false sightings to cover those missions. And even if here the corporate infiltrations get revealed, they can shrug and say they were being thorough and investigating and also checking for a way to sneak a few critical technologies to us, or prevent a couple greedy corporate boards from taking us down ruinous paths. Same for governments. The best cover is a believable one, and it helps if it's a true one, and if some past incident comes to light several centuries down the road, you can get away with seeing a few folks succeed their mandate and you covered it over to avoid an interstellar incident, or that's not what your records say, no one is alive from back then anyway and you're not claiming to be angels but you resent the implication. Though that's another point against it. It is usually assumed secrets eventually get out, 
but a century or two later the perpetrators and victims are dead and the records of specifics are pretty vague and debatable, so best let sleeping dogs lie. That's a lot trickier in a civilization where everyone might be quasi-immortal cyborgs with perfect recall. That's also a difficult environment to pull off clandestine operations. It's a bit of a cynical thought but I tend to think one of the big reasons you see stronger and more successful pushes for transparency in government is that it really is a lot harder to hide skullduggery, and the forecasts make that even less favorable a decade down the road. On the other hand, the ease of recording and the vast data engines able to look for tiny clues in vast data sets probably can be used to help hide clues too, and bury them under huge amounts of data like people's Facebook posts. See our episode Criminal AI for more discussion of that. So too, the speed of light introduces timescales and limitations that might make clandestine actions easier to hide or get away with. Consider, someone's fleet is going to need centuries to get to your territory to get some revenge, and that's a long time to let cooler heads prevail and make excuses or remuneration for past incidents. So too, the distances involved for communication mean everybody has teams out in the field with lots of room for decision making and judgment calls, and presumably sometimes those are bad ones. If you catch some black bag operation going on in one of your colonies that took you 50 years to find out about, another 50 to demand a detailed investigation of, 50 more to report back that investigation's findings, and then two more centuries for your ambassador to get the documentation and go over and see their leader and complain, then it has been 350 years since it got caught, and at least another 150 since they presumably ordered it. That's half a millennia, literally how long ago Henry VIII was king in England, and it might be akin then to Spain delivering a note to the current monarch of England complaining about catching a smear operation directed against Queen Catherine, or even to the President or Prime Minister of one of the British colonies like the US or Canada or Australia. Even if they all real long lived, it seems unlikely the ruling persons would be the same and the cultural and internal political and legal landscape would be close enough that your ambassador could deliver that complaint without their leader giving you a raised eyebrow and a shrug. Of course the same reasoning applies to dispatching agents on secret missions. We can contemplate FTL travel or communication, in which case then we might expect a lot of back and forth of agents and missions, but without that there's just too much lag time. Why steal military secrets of new technology that will take centuries for it to reach you when you can wait for the patent to expire in a couple decades and get it all for free and with the bugs worked out? And it might take you a millennia to get a fleet out there to demand compensation or retribution for the theft and injury done during it. Your own fleet is still going to get it before theirs would ever arrive carrying it. Even if they were doing upgrades en route, there's a pretty big burden on trying to renovate a fleet at relativistic speeds while moving towards some system that has wads of raw material as an industry. Your 20 year tech advantage probably won't make up for them outnumbering your fleet a million to one when you arrive. So it is not that stealing military secrets wouldn't be desirable, I'm just dubious as to why you would risk sending agents to uncover something when you could instead invest in discovering it yourself in less time. Generally speaking, once a technology is known to exist, it gets a lot easier for others to figure out how it works, and if it's not known to exist you presumably don't know to steal it. Authorizing fishing expeditions to infiltrate another world just to see if they got something cool and secret doesn't seem like a great plan given that if it is useful, you will likely see overt use of it eventually and probably before your own team arrives to look for it. Truth be told, I would bet most peacetime intelligence gathering would be done, as often it is now, right out of the Embassy and probably by hiring natives to do most of it. 
loyalty for loyalty's sake to a rival government power is not likely to be inspired by a concern of betraying them to some distant alien menace a millennia away with a friendly ambassador who has a big checkbook. Of course there's no embassy on Earth, except there might be. One common feature of a lot of alien conspiracy theories is our government is in cahoots with them, one specifically or all of them, and if that was the case we might assume the aliens have some agreed on deal with them and might be running a side hustle the governments didn't know about. They obviously wouldn't need to abduct humans with flying saucers when those governments could easily provide test subjects for instance, especially if they are saying it's to help with a plague or cancer or such. The thing is the best sorts of plans of this kind are the ones where it doesn't matter if they get found out down the road. As an example, if the goal is to get enough genetic and logistical data to release a doomsday super plague that looks like it was engineered by some terrestrial group, terrorists or what have you, then it really wouldn't matter once it was released if they suspected you because accusations would be flying around left and right at everyone while humanity was dying off and you would presumably have centuries to cover over your tracks and just shrug and say, hey, we were working with their government and constantly warning them about the dangers civilizations faced with advanced technology, one of those dangers became real, and of course the high-tech foreigners they secretly worked with got blamed by many. On the other hand, a lot of suggested conspiracies don't have that option. Half-human, half-alien hybrids is a popular one in science fiction as a way to take over the Earth, but first, it's pretty overt once it starts occurring. We're gonna notice all the freaks and we check people's DNA all the time now. Second, it's assuming the aliens are both really fixated on their DNA, or their alien DNA equivalent, being what gets spread around the galaxy, but also aren't really purists about it, since it's akin to us colonizing a world full of squid people by making half-human, half-squid freaks. If you are genetic purists, I am guessing any alien DNA is too much and if you're not then you probably spend your civilization more in an ideological sense, in which case you're converting people to your way of life and consider that sufficient, and honestly folks don't usually keep that secret. They might, I suppose, if you're a missionary you don't have to announce that to everyone, and I could certainly see it if you were busy trying to get folks to bow down in praise of Cthulhu or Nyal Lahotep. Those very alien aliens are also a good reminder that a lot of human behavior and morality is biology based, we don't eat our babies or feces, plenty of animals native to Earth do one or both, and life not even from Earth might be pretty casual about either. One thing we can't ignore though is that if a species or alien empire has reasons to have interactions with their neighbors, then that does include the reasons to have covert ones too. For all that I have difficulty imagining they would try for long-term covert interactions only, as our current situation on Earth would imply if sightings are accurate, it doesn't change that if they have open relations, they would want to have some covert ones too. Are there aliens covertly here on Earth now? Possibly, but I don't think so. I would not be surprised if they began quietly, but after some basic intel gathering, and probably mostly done by robot drones that look like native animals, or oak trees or pollen grains, I think they'd begin open relations. Of course that doesn't mean they would end covert ones, and when you think about it, it wouldn't really seem smart to close down and yank all your operations. So one thing seems sure, whether or not there are aliens here secretly now, if they ever appeared here openly, odds are it wouldn't be long before they were here covertly too. Needless to say, there are an awful lot of sci-fi novels and films on alien invasions, but a bit less on long-term covert operations, though it was a more common theme in a lot of classic science fiction, 
especially ancient aliens descending on us, to slowly tweak our genes or sneaking guardians or influencers. We see that in a lot of comic book heroes as a reason for their power or what their job was, like the Eternals or Inhumans or a bunch of others. Probably the most influential workout though is E.E. Doc Smith's legendary Lensman series, which features an ancient and fairly benevolent alien race that's been tinkering with humanity to produce mighty heroes who could eventually take over the job of guarding the galaxy for them. Lensman was the runner-up to Isaac Asimov's foundation for the best science fiction series of all time back when it won the title in 1966. And if you've never read it before but are a big fan of sci-fi, you will be surprised how many familiar ideas there are in Doc Smith's novels that he popularized. For instance, he is the first to write about a multi-species cooperative government, something we're doing an episode on next month, and is usually considered the father of space opera. So he is long overdue to win our Audible Audiobook of the Month, six years after we first awarded it to Isaac Asimov. And if you're looking for some binge-worthy classic sci-fi, Audible's got the whole series, starting with Triplanetary, which chronicles a battle for Earth and the galaxy between two ancient alien races fighting from ancient Atlantis to a distant future. Audible also has all of E.E. Doc Smith's other novels along with a fantastic catalog from classic science fiction to the newest bestsellers and Audible originals. Now Audible is the place to go for audiobooks but it has a lot more to offer, including many excellent podcasts, such as Science and Futurism with Isaac Arthur. That's right, our show is available on Audible now and that includes the narration-only versions for folks who prefer to skip on the music we blend into the episodes, which seems popular for folks who like to drift off to sleep listening to me. Though the Audible Plus catalog also has sleep and meditation tracks available, as well as guided fitness programs for helping keep those New Year's resolutions, and Audible originals like Impact Winter from the folks who brought you Pacific Rim and The Walking Dead. Audible has got literally centuries worth of content for you to pick from to keep you entertained while commuting or working out, including about 500 hours of this show now, and the whole Audible Plus catalog full of free books and other content comes as a bonus when you join Audible, in addition to your usual one free audiobook each month and big member discounts on additional ones. And as always, new members can try Audible for free for the first month. Just go to audible.com slash Isaac or text Isaac to 500 So I mentioned that E.E. Doc Smith's Lensman series, our audiobook of the month, was the first big walk with a multi-species cooperative empire in it, and next month we will return again to the Alien Civilization series to examine the notion of multi-species empires on Sunday, April 10th. We've got plenty of shows before then though, starting next week where we'll jump forward to the distant future and look at a time when the moon has become an enormous megacity. Then we'll finish out March with our livestream Q&A, followed by a look at programmable and smart matter. Then we'll open up April with a look at the concept of self-growing space habitats and bases. Now if you want alerts when those and other episodes come out, make sure to subscribe to the channel and hit the notifications bell. If you enjoyed the episode, please hit the like button and share it with others, and leave a comment below. You can also join the conversation of any of our social media forums, find our audio-only versions of the show, or donate to support future episodes, and all those options and more are listed in the links in the episode description. Until next time, thanks for watching, and have a great week.